I know how much you want to watch Wally. Yes. So, I got us a compromise. This movie is called Hardware. It tells the story of a killer combat robot, just like Wally, that the government invented to destroy humans. It's somewhat what you like and somewhat what I like. Welcome to the Nerdaplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Get right on down to Reno's for your radiation-free reindeer steak. <laughs> so sit back, relax, grab your major good vibes as we dive into hardware. Alright, this one was released September 14th, 1990, directed by Richard Stanley, starring Dylan McDermott, Stacey Travis, John Lynch, and the sweet tones of Iggy Pop. Right up front, we see the zone tripper wandering through the burnt-out wasteland that used to be America. It's very red. The whole movie is very red. Very red looks like mars they say a lot that it's very hot because um it is christmas they don't say geographically where we are but at one point they're saying it's going to get down to 110 tonight our boy is uh wandering the desert doing as you do in a post-apocalypse uh looking for a cool scrap and he finds some robo parts strewn about and then we start right back up with a great intro line the first dialogue of the movie is angry bob the man with the industrial dick oh yeah iggy pop in his all his glory. Yeah, he's really going for it here. This may or may not surprise you, but uh, when this one came out, it initially got an X rating. Just based on that one dude's riffing while he's watching from the uh, peephole. Ugh. We'll get to that. <laughs> the peepee Tom. <laughs> Link. Yeah, yeah. Well, this wasteland's not all we see as uh, eventually we see some shots of some industrial stuff. And then we see our one of our main characters here, Mo, coming in from the wastes himself, walking through. You know, we get some tours of the post-apocalyptic city. It's a bunch of garbage people doing garbage stuff. It's very asymmetrical. They put out the casting call for all of the skinny weirdos. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen these, but I did um, extra casting for a while. And a lot of times they'll put out big blasts are you missing a limb we need weirdos missing teeth missing limbs deformed head you got a job i will say the overarching theme of this movie is fascist government and their want to control the population and mm -hmm. i've seen the population and i get it <laughs> you know you don't want any more of these fools <laughs> this is enough we get to uh, check out a junk vendor, which is one of my favorite kind of scenes in all of these post-apocalyptic movies. Uh, this guy is named Alvy. Our hero is really kind of rude and shits on him for quite a while about being small. But Alvy's doing all right for himself. He's got a cool little junk shop. He's got motherboards on the walls. Everything's very digital, very like cyberpunky, and it puts us right in the theme. They hit the themes with this one right on. I will say that for all its failings, you understand what kind of world you're in from the jump. Well, the plot um, has some issues and uh, a little bit of plagiarism issues as well, but we'll get into that. What did you guys think of this scene? 
So our hero Mo goes into the junk shop with his buddy Shades, the man wearing sunglasses, and Mo's looking to trade some scrap for some money. And while the shop owner's in the back, another zone tripper, if you will, comes in looking to sell those robo parts he found out in the desert. Mo pays him 50 bucks to take it and then turns around and tries to sell it back to Alvi, who will only give him 30 bucks. I don't know if this was like a thing. It's just like a missed thing. Maybe Is it just showing that Mo is kind of like a bad businessman? Because he doesn't seem at all that interested in the parts i thought oh he's buying them for jill right away but then he immediately tries to sell them again i thought he was just seeing maybe this is worth more than i think it is Mm. so if it is then i'll take the money and if not then i'll keep it okay so he was running a grift but he's just bad at it right or he was just testing the waters well yeah they come to an agreement he comes out what twenty dollars less on the deal he doesn't he doesn't make any money on it but he's he does i guess have another option where he's going to take it home to his his girl who hasn't seen in a very long time jill the junk artist i don't want to get stuck on this one spot but not dive in there's nothing going on in this movie (laughs) did he get all of those parts from the zone tripper and then sell buy all of them for 50 bucks and then sell everything but the head for 30 bucks maybe oh yeah okay i think maybe that's what it was so he's like i don't want all this other crap i just want this one piece of it so let's see what i can get for the rest of it yeah, because the rest of the junk we see with Alvi later as he's looking into what he's got here. Yes, so then we get to Jill, who is quite the artist. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> so she uh, lives in an apartment downtown, and they take a water taxi to get there, and the cab driver is Lemmy from Motorhead, and I believe he actually puts on a Motorhead song for them. You guys like music? Check these guys out. Ace of Spades. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it's not the only band to make an appearance. Um, Guar will show up a little bit later. But that one is a funny one because the video shows Guar and the song is Ministry. Yeah, this is a whole big mishmash. It was probably some sort of rights issue because Richard Stanley does not give a scoot about copyright no. infringement. No. Maybe not super fun fact. There's not a whole lot of them in this movie to go around. But Shades wears his shades because he worked in space fixing satellites and he's now just readjusting to earth they mention it in the movie well they mentioned that he worked in space because uh he says you got to get out to space it's all right yeah he 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 does try to sell the idea of going out to space Mm -hmm. but that's why he's wearing sunglasses he hasn't adjusted to the sun yet i see yeah well they old uh angry bob mentions to keep your shades on as well be sure to wear your shades Mm -hmm. probably because uh this is in the early 90s and the ozone was still actively being destroyed then so a lot of uv stuff in the early 90s as well as they're entering the building that jill lives in Mm -hmm. there's a child leashed to a passed out adult yes what's going on there at first i thought it was going to be oh the adult is dead but then i'm i was thinking more along the lines that the adult was just passed out drunk or high on some sort of substance because yeah they show you that shot for quite a while you get a good 30 seconds looking at this baby trying to struggle away from maybe a corpse and these guys just walk right past it <laughs> yeah i guess maybe that's the thing is it's become so commonplace that it's not even weird to them it could be future heroin too robo heroin you know we don't know <laughs> they don't get into it designed for robots and now humans are taking it and it's it's just it's running rampant through our youth. This society is no stranger to drugs and stuff because we kind of see a lot of that everywhere. Jill's apartment's pretty dope though. It's all automated, but instead of having like a fun Pee Wee's Playhouse kind of vibe, it's a little darker. What did you guys think she was making in her coffee pot? Uh, it looked like roaches and like, like actual. Sticks? You know, maybe it's just a fancy tea she was brewing. <laughs> 
what's tea but a bunch of aromatic sticks, leaves, and roaches? Little cyberpunk kombucha. Yeah, yeah, it looks fine gross. Tea. We get a glimpse of her fridge a little later, too. That's pretty gross, too. Oh, I love to talk about the fridge. But she's got a hell of a security system. I'll say that. These huge, big sliding space doors. She's got cameras everywhere. And again, everything's really analog. She calls security at one point and plugs a quarter-inch cable into a slot, and it opens up a vid channel. It's very cool. She also has been being ding-dong ditched, apparently. But the security guys, who are great, by the way, they haven't seen anybody. So they don't think there's anything to worry about it. Are you being cheeky when you say ding-dong? dong ditched no (laughs) yeah well yeah there's that so anyhow mo arrives and is hesitantly let in by jill i really like that she scans them for radiation before she lets both of them into the place yeah it seems like a wise maneuver before they walk in mo says something about making sure that jill's okay and stuff and shade says Mm -hmm. That he keeps an eye on her and says it in such like a weird way that you're like. It seems like there's more to it than that. Like, but there there's, isn't. There's something I mean, that's going to develop later, but it's There's not. no evidence that there's more to yeah. it after that. Maybe something got cut later, but yeah. Shades lives in the building, though. It seemed oddly sexual. Don't worry, I keep an eye on her. And uh, and Moe's totally cool with it because he's like, yeah, definitely do that. You should you should keep an eye on her. That would be very, <laughs> that'd be right very helpful. That, he's like, yeah, that's what I'm asking you to yeah, do. This is awesome. The- Yes, thank you. Oh, no. I'll keep an eye on her. He's cool, though. I like Shades. He's creepy as hell, though, but I like him. Then Mo gives the robo head to Jill, and she says, how I feel about this whole movie. Uh, It's horrible. I love it. Yeah, that's pretty much spot on. The head is cool, though. I will say they nailed this design on this creepy little robo head. That's for sure. If they weren't hammering home their motifs and whatnot, they certainly do whenever she paints that whole star-spangled design on it. Mm-hmm. She spangles that skull right up. But that happens a little bit later in the night, I guess. Before that, okay, so this is a post-kind of apocalypse. We see earlier that the river is just literally green. They say that it never rains. But my girl's got a shower. And not just like a shower shower. She's got like a rain. It's nicer than my shower. And I don't live in a wasteland. <laughs> they do have a means of saving water, which is showering together. Uh huh. Yeah. This is Isn't that a, the old pickup a line? eco-friendly movie, <laughs> and it is also horny as hell. Yeah. After that, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I'm gonna do one of you to you. Did you guys think it was a good idea for him to have that robo hand in the water? I was getting real wet. It had like tubes and stuff. Oh, there was a lot getting real wet. Ugh. It can handle all kinds of moisture. Hey, all kinds. Okay. This movie is pretty horny, and so is our girl's neighbor. Oh, man. I think we can safely assume who has been ringing her bell, so to speak, because it's a creepy guy with a very big thermal future camera, and he's taking vids of Mo and Jill in the moment, so to speak, and this is not the first time he's done that. We get a shot of his apartment. There's, like, shoes nailed to the wall. There's weird cast-off bits of detritus. It's not a good look for my man. I called it a secrete cute. Oh, no. Don't call it anything. No, 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 no. Oh, this guy's face is messed up. His name is Link, and his face is a mess. You know who that is? You know who's playing Link? I do not know. Eckhart from the movie Batman 1989. Not Aaron Eckhart. (laughs) With that terrible eye makeup and the ponytail. The ponytail. The ponytail (laughs) doesn't do him any favors. This is a bad character. He was very hard to look at. Spoiler alert, he gets killed, and it's great. Also, this greaseball watching from the next door apartment isn't the only one watching them get busy. Ah, yes. 
Yes, we have a little uh, beeping Tom. Uh, yo, that robot horny too, baby. They all horny in this one. Beeping Tom. Can we talk? I'm so sorry. I let us get past it, but we didn't talk anything about the dirty talk from the voyeur. Oh boy. I was trying to I was trying to move past it. You're just it. trying to bounce right past it. Okay, all I'll say, mostly improvised by the actor. Dude, that makes it so much worse. God. So much worse. He refers to Dylan McDermott's wiener as a tube. He says, squeeze that tube. Squeeze that tube. And anyway, I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting ad lib. That's I mean that's a choice. I've never I've never heard it referred to as a tube before, but Eckhart has. <laughs> that's his go-to. Yeah, baby, squeeze my tube. Okay, so while they're doing all this, Alvi is hard at work checking out these parts that he bought off of Mo, and he's run the registration numbers. And apparently, this one came with a straight-up user manual that had like an audio tape and like video files and stuff. Because he watches a whole last documentary about this ribbit. There's a tutorial how-to. There's like an internet here, I guess. I don't know, but he learns about it, and it is a experimental robot surveillance droid. It's got all kind of different parts. It's got a bunch of arms. It's got a neurotoxin. It's super smart, and he gets all this information and realizes what he's got, and reaches out and calls Mo right away. He definitely was able to find all that info on on the real hero of the movie, Mark. Mark 13. Um, Let's call him Mark. <laughs> now, its serial number was interesting, I thought, or the acronym was B-A-A-L. They have some random thing that they try to foist in there to try to make it make sense. Oh, 7697. Oh. Biomechanical, auto-independent, artificially intelligent life form. In the Judeo-Christian world, it's associated with, like, devils and demons. In the Bible, it's mentioned a lot as adversarial gods. And there's a couple of different moments of demonic imagery later when she's scanning the machine. I don't know if you guys noticed there's a pentagram in the circuit diagrams. <laughs> I did not notice that. That's hilarious. They really want to set it up in no uncertain terms that this is, like, a demon monster robot. Well, yeah, and it's since it's Mark 13, the next scene they cut to is Mo whose real name is Moses, reading mm -hmm. the Mark chapter 13 in the Bible. They zoom in, it's Mark 11, 12, 13, and then he starts he reading. He flips through it. He does a lot of Bible reading, but he does it when Jill's asleep. It happens a couple of times, but he like reads the Bible to her in his sleep. I don't know. This guy's nuts. I think that's something that they wanted to feature more prominently in this because later on in the movie, kind of during the big climax, he says, I'm divinely protected, asshole. I'm wondering if the idea of this character is he's a book of Eli, dude, like the whole world is bullshit, but he's a man of faith and that's what empowers him. I don't know. They never really touch on it other than that. He reads from the Bible a couple of times and does some other biblical things. And his but name's I really Moses. thought they would lean a little bit harder on that. And the movie's this read. Mo yeah, the movie's read. This is a pretty trim little feature, what, like 97 minutes. So maybe there were some big cuts. Maybe there was more of that kind of demonic biblical nature that they, they left out. Of the other themes that they do it has an anti-fascist theme where they don't want people to procreate and stuff but point i'm trying to make is she's watching random tv shows and flipping through whenever she gets the guar and at one point in time there's actual footage of german soldiers killing a jewish person in a pit like actual yeah. world war ii footage i think i recognize that other scene from an actual recorded torture as well so yeah mm -hmm. our, our boy's just dropping some stuff in there 
Yeah. Trigger warning, I guess. It's turned up to 11. It's all intentional. I think this is the point whenever Jill starts her art project yeah. and she paints the Mark 13 head to look like the American flag and she blowtorches a bunch of dolls. <laughs> It didn't make any sense, but... Well, it's because that's the theme, right? This robot was created to trim the population, and the government has these things they're putting in where you can't have kids anymore. They were sterilizing people. So this robot is a symbol, and all these burnt baby dolls is a symbol of not being able to procreate. But it's absolutely wild. She doesn't know why, though. She's just like, it looks it looks wild and crazy, so I'm going to melt these babies to stick them on there. She says some shit like that. They're like, what's that? What's that mean? She's like, I don't know. It's cool, man. <laughs> Although this is totally, I mean, I have been to a, a lot of art installations and there's always some burnt up baby. Like oh, baby yeah. Dolls. That's just art stuff. That's if you, a especially if you're making metal sculptures, you got to slip a couple of burnt up Cabbage Patch kids in there. Mm -hmm. Is it at this point then that Mo gets the phone call from Alvy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he, he leaves her alone. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as he walks out, your boy straps on a rubber glove. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I, I will so say that scene is so genuinely gross. creepy. Like the idea. <laughs> First of all, the idea of being forced to do a FaceTime for every telephone call, nightmare. Second of all, he calls her but just has a cutout from like a magazine and is looking through her so his face is obscured. It's and he's so gross. This is worse than <sighs> the stuff he says before. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but he says something about a string of popcorn up her butt. Oh. With a string of popcorn, baby, up your ass. Yeah. Pop. He also says Hershey, Hershey Highway. highway. Which he says on. Hershey Highway. Hey, that's regional for us. <laughs> it's regional. So we can say it. We can say it. We're from Pennsylvania. We can say it. Yeah. <laughs> he's not allowed to say it. No, he's not allowed. <laughs> it's gross. It's. It was really gross. It's very effective. Let me be clear. It's disgusting, and I hate every second of it, but I mean, mm, that's terrible. exactly what he's going for. Yes. Oh, and he nails it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he gets nailed a little bit later, if you know what I mean. So Jill just brushes that off. She lights up a major good vibes joint and falls asleep in bed, smoking in bed, dangeroo. La Dangeroo. She's lucky she fell asleep with that cigarette, though, because it woke her up. But as of 2004, cigarettes were the cause of one in four fire deaths. More than any other cause. So, you know. People falling asleep. She's a gambler. Also, her stalker is looking out for her by letting her know that he thinks her dope consumption is a little high. Mo arrives at Alvi's junk lair, and he's dead. And it's playing the recording that he started, because he started a recording about his research. And they catch at the very end is his death and climax. Because, <laughs> because the serum that it uses puts you uh -huh. in a euphoric state. So he's like, <laughs> in the recording, it is. So <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it's I'll, pl not, I'll play it's you that little snippet as, right here. <laughs> it's not quite as gratuitous as the 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 creeper man, but it. it, it I mean. I, it, it's I in got there, kind though. of a chuckle out of me. It's, yeah. it's a pretty good laugh. You also get to feel kind of good because he's not suffering. He dies happy, which is not something that the Mark 13 offers to all of its victims. There are certainly worse ways to go. The French call it la petite mot, the little death. <laughs> this one was just a big death, but what we you know we kind of glossed over here, but the robot, as kind of Alvi is going over the robot's abilities, it's doing the thing, so it's like it can like seek out a power source and power itself up and rebuild itself. He's saying these things while it's doing. And so I guess there has to be a network because it connects with its body parts in the other location, and the hand has got these little darts in it that inject Alvi. And I thought that was a pretty cool little scene of the little ribbit hand driving around the uh, shop. 
Yeah, that was neat. Gave me some Evil Dead vibes. I did a lot of research on this one, but I didn't see how they were doing the things that they did. I guess a lot of puppetry. I think it seems just, like a lot of practical I think that hand puppetry. was literally just like a robotic thing. It was just a little device they made to do that. Yeah, when it was rebuilding itself, there was a little bit of that. But I literally think what they did was, and this is how you quote unquote do stop motion. But I used to do this as a kid where you would flash a frame and move the thing and then flash the frame and move the thing. But normally in a movie like this, that's not exactly how you would do it. You'd build a scale model and then, you know, kind of keyframe it in and things like that. But I read somewhere that they wanted the robot to be fully stop motion, but they couldn't afford it. It would have cost too much and taken too much time. So for the most part, it's a puppet. And there's a scene in the bathroom where you can see behind the robot, the man's legs, who is like kind of like walking it. I guess there's a couple of scenes where you can see it, but uh, with all the flashing lights and crazy colors, blinking, you'll miss it for sure. I have a question. Okay. If the Mark 13 is able to pull itself into a robot, Mm-hmm. All of the stuff was on hand in Jill's apartment because they locked the door. I mean, nobody gets in or out. So it's not like he's no. walking his hand to himself or something silly like that. It rebuilds itself with her metalworking tools. It's got like her buzzsaw and stuff, but it pulls in some of that neurotoxin somehow. I was trying to figure that out. I think that was already in the head or maybe it was just, I don't know. Unless it was stored in the head, I guess. I think that's one, like, right after it, like, pulls itself out of it, they just, like, appear, so they don't really get into it, I guess. Unless she just keeps some neurotoxin in her place. I mean, she's got a lot of crazy shit in there. Yeah, I wouldn't put her past her with the Wasteland, if the Wasteland Raiders come a-knocking, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, like we said, Jill's asleep, she's passed out, Alvy is dead, and realizing what's going on, Mo tries to call Jill, but... Which I thought was a great move. The Mark 13 picks up the phone, answers, and then melts the phone. He hates phones. So it's not so much that he just like turned off the call. He wanted to answer and be like, hey, bitch, I'm here with your girl. Uh, I'm going to melt the phone. Mo calls Shades to get him to help. And we have earlier seen in some more religious iconography, Shades dropping acid in front of his shrine to the god of death, Kali. He's so high. He's fucking tripping. My boy went right back to space. Bacalia, which I thought was interesting, is a multi-limbed god of death. So some more comparisons. Right. Mark 13's got multiple limbs. Yes. Yes. There we go. That is the comparison. I get it. (laughs) Jill's in big trouble, but her joint wakes her up just in the nick of time and sits up right as Mark 13 destroys her bed and then just really kind of goes to town on the bed, giving her a chance to get away. He shreds that thing. He just can't feel softness. It's very upsetting for him. He's pissed off at that bed. So she tries to leave, but our boy's been busy and changed all the codes. He sliced up her bed. He's trapped her in there, and now he's just toying with her. Because we're talking about fire safety, and this is this is uh, near and dear to my heart. Right. She's using a blowtorch as a nightlight now. Mm-hmm. She needs to be cooler about fire safety, I think. Tell them to be cool. Be cool. Be cool about No, her place is full of water, so I guess she thinks it's pretty chill. So it's right about this time that, I guess just to get more victims in, the peeping Tom sees that she's in trouble or sees the creepy robot face, and he's like, well, fuck, I'm going to go over there, and goes over and is let in. And this is where he explains, I built the security, so I can definitely get us out of here. And he's being not real chill. He's so not chill. But after all, he says a bunch of gross stuff to her. Then she finally decides, well, you know what? I guess if you're here to help, I guess you can help and fix these codes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And she sends, his name is Link. We find that out at this point. She sends Link with her little blowtorch nightlight to go see the other room, make sure everything's okay. And she says, Well, keep talking so I know where you are. And he says, 
I'm right here. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think that's what she meant. I think she meant as soon as you leave the room, you keep talking. Yeah. But he's like standing right in front of her, like I'm right here. Oh, he does run out of things to say because the little song he sings is just outrageous. You want me to sing? Oh, we all walk the wibberly wobbly walk, and we all talk the wibberly wobbly talk. Oh, we all wear whipperly wobberly ties. And we look at all the pretty girls with whipperly wobberly eyes. I thought it was going to be a sea shanty at first. I made that up. But it devolved quickly. He sings the worst song ever. Also, before that, he finds out that Jill's boyfriend's name is Moses. And he says, Moses, Jesus, some name. Which is another funny little biblical thing. Pretty good. <laughs> and that's whenever he's talking about how she smokes a lot of dope. And he's like, does it get your boyfriend hard? <laughs> he's, he's the worst. He's the worst. All of this to preface, he's absolute worst. So when I was actually watching a movie with someone the other day, it started with a cold open of this character who was just like a piece of shit. And they're like, what? why is this guy such a piece of shit? I'm like, because he's about to get eaten by a monster. So right. like you have to you have to establish that he's a total piece of shit because he's about to get killed and they don't want you to feel bad for this dude yet. Right. So they establish, but they overcorrect on this one a little bit too far. But Lincoln does get his. And in a moment that I thought was really good because, of course, the Mark 13 built itself a bunch of deadly weapons, and one of those was a killer phallus, obviously. A drildo, if you will. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you're sitting on that one. Oh, shit. That's what she said. I had it written down from when I was watching the movie, and then I saw in your show notes that you mentioned it, and I was like, yes, because I wasn't sure I was going to get a clean in for that. You don't want to have to bring it up by yourself. Right. It would have been weird. No, you're right. This is much better. This is way less weird. Yeah, tell much. All right, so yeah, he's hiding behind the curtains, which was his only, like, the only thing holding him back from killing this guy was a great reveal. So the guy opens the curtains. He's like, oh, I got beautiful windows. Why don't you open them up? I guess because he's trying to do his dirty business later. So he opens the blinds, and in great horror movie fashion, as a direct result of his creepy sins, he is killed by said drill, though, right through the guts. It, I wrote uh, that it, that was an exocute. One, he's got an exoskeleton. Two, he executes him. So that's a double for you. As long as you let me keep in secrete cute, I don't mind if we cut that one. <laughs> I also wrote sneak cute before we'll I came up with execute, and that, it did seem like it was kind of a, I don't know, it was a toss-up, but whatever. I mean, that is the first time they're meeting, so I guess it technically works, but I mean... <laughs> and it's an execution. It was extreme overkill, and if his job is to stop procreation, I don't know why he just killed the biggest boner killer on the planet. Mm, yeah yeah a, a softener if you will alvi got to die euphorically and this dude got his eyes drilled out so <laughs> oh yeah well but the thing is is the the robot injects him so it injects him then immediately drills his eyes out with its thumbs and then drill those him in his guts so like yeah. there's no way that could take him we see later it takes a while to really get you so why inject <laughs> him at all everybody's got their program but it's so long since he killed someone he just couldn't ugh, he just couldn't wait <laughs> which i mean kind of justice this guy came to do some dirty biz and he got some dirty biz did to him so I'll yeah start. i wasn't complaining he was extremely gross well and then we cut to my two favorite characters in the whole movie the security guards we got the chief and then we've got his um buddy uh, and they're playing a game of chess with a 
undoubtedly bomb chess set. Did you guys see this? It was made out of nuts and bolts and stuff. I'm sure if you go on Etsy right now, there's one that's like really well done. Whenever they're playing chess, he also says a really cool line uh, uh, yes, about yes, the move yes, he uses yes. to beat the other guy. He says, oh, Sicilian maneuver. That's how you beat computers when you play them. Machine don't understand sacrifice, neither do morons. And that's how you beat him. That guy's cool. He's got like football pads on. Dope as hell. He's <laughs> so very cool. Fucking mustache. Of course, our buddy Mark, he's not satisfied with just one. He begins stalking Jill again throughout the apartment. She does some runaways. She, for some reason, believes that her electric knife in the kitchen is going to be able to slice a robot. Now, this is a moment we can talk about in the convergence a little later, but at least there, she hits him with like a laser knife. That does some damage. This one, nothing. It makes a bunch of cool sparks. They have a little battle in the kitchen, and this robot's fucking shit up. But she looks in its eyes at one point, and she sees, oh, my God. Oh my god. It sees an infrared. What did she say? This motherfucker sees an infrared. Infrared. Bastard using infrared. <laughs> out loud she says it. Yeah, she says it out loud to the room. So she realizes, ah, I got it. I'm gonna hide in the fridge. So she pulls all of her shit out of the fridge and climbs in there. Inside the fridge, the only three things that Jill has synth milk, mm-hmm. lactoplasm. Yep. And Schlitz. So Schlitz makes it in this post apocalyptic <laughs> well, universe. Good. You know, at least there's hope. <laughs> Where there's Schlitz, there's hope. Call us Schlitz, and we'll do it out every episode, baby. Welcome to the Schlitz Zone. Brought to you by Schlitz Blue Bowl. Schlitz all day, baby. The industrial dick of the beer world. <laughs> but anyway, I thought her going into the fridge was a pretty cool move. Oh, you, I was just about to say, much like Schlitz, Jill's cool as hell and hides <laughs> in the fridge. I'm putting a freeze on that negative energy. Here's my thing about this whole fridge business. First of all, what in Predator to come out? Second of all, I don't think infrared vision works like that. That's not how that works. That's not how infrared works. It's not just like, it's contrast. It's not thermal vision. It's not predator vision. That's different. So that's thermal heat. Infrared is contrast. Anyhow, it was released in 87. So they're pulling a predator. Let's assume it works. Anyhow, it works. I don't. Mm, I can't even get in devil's advocate corner for this one because it's stupid, and that's not how it works. But it does in this instance. He's got stupid garbage eyes, so he can't see her. This this robot. I, I'm gonna. I'm. We're we're nitpicking now. This is the opposite of devil's advocate corner. This is nitpick veranda where we fucking get into it, and I shout it from the rooftops. So this robot is smart enough to put itself back together from bits and bobs in this artist's apartment. Also, I'm a little disappointed that none of the burnt baby dolls made it onto the robot. But it's not smart enough to realize that she went in there. It watched her fucking go in the fridge. But not that, oh, I must not be able to see her. There is a cool moment. I'm going to give the movie credit where she breathes and it sees her breath and it tries to grab it. They don't show that's what's happening, but that is what's happening. So it like tries to grab in front of her face a couple of times and then she covers her mouth. So that was pretty cool. But I thought the fridge bit was stupid. I think we need to make our make our puns a little crisper. It took me 10 minutes to think of that. <laughs> I have no idea what you just said. I've been, I've been thinking about this. I was like, I can't believe I didn't back-to-back-to-back pun that. Yeah, well, you know what? This is my life now. <laughs> We've broken your brain, and it's wonderful. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work then, and it's, you know, it's not working now. 
But yeah, she blows her place up. He knocks some gas off, and then she throws some her joints at it, which I thought was pretty chill. And then it blows up. And okay, two things. One, the character Jill is totally fine with her arm being on fire. Stop, drop, and roll. Number two, the actress also chill as hell with her arm being on fire for a serious amount of time. That arm was on fire for a minute. I did read that the actress did most of her own stunts. And she was blackballed by Harvey Weinstein for denying his sexual advances. Oh, fuck off. That sucks. That sucks because she's great. I thought she was great. She's great. And if she did her own stunts, my girl's flying through stuff. She's hanging off wires. She's doing all kind of crazy baloney. Sitting on glass. Oh, yeah, shit. I forgot about that. So, yeah, yeah, she's great, and that sucks. But she blows him up. She's on fire. She's on fire. And then Shade comes to the rescue, but he he cannot get in. Security and Mo arrive, and they, they get the doors open, and they come inside. She thinks it's all over, but oops, whoops, it ups. Behind you is the robot. And the security guys and Mo, they all pull out their guns and, and shoot it so hard it flies out the window, which was pretty yeah. fun. I like that a lot. Yeah, they brought a straight-up militia. <laughs> If a villain's fault is monologuing, then a hero's fault is just sticking around over the cliff where the villain just went over. Because they both get got here and Jill gets sucked right out the window. There's something really important that goes on here. Because she wants Mo to reach out and grab mm-hmm. her. But he says, no, we can't yeah. do that because we'll ground the wire. Why are we okay with that scene in Wonder Woman <laughs> where they don't care at all about grounding that wire? This is an interesting thought dilemma because like you got a robot, so she can't just climb back over herself. But he can't grab her. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I thought that was a, a, a little a fun bit. I thought it was great. Most of this movie isn't rooted in any kind of reality. And at this point in time, you're like, oh, yeah, that would be really stupid for him to do and i'm really glad they didn't do it any lesser movie he would have just grabbed her and brought her in and they would have never mentioned it a lesser movie like wonder (laughs) woman like wonder woman 1984 where they ground that wire like five times before it actually electrocutes cheetah (laughs) well okay Okay, in this movie, it was a big deal. He can't grab her, and the robot is messing with the wire. She falls. He's trying to get her to swing into the other window and grab the ledge, but she falls and busts through the window of her downstairs neighbors onto their dining room table. And honestly, at this point, she's not, but I for sure thought she was dead. Mo sort of looks down like, oh, crap, she dead. Yeah. But then he doesn't act like that after that because he's leaving a message. I guess he's insane he with rage at this point, And he he battles Mark 13 and shoots it in the face. It messes up, but not before it can stab him with the nerve agent. And this is when he says, you can't kill me. I am divinely protected. You can't fuck with me. You can't fuck with me. But it turns out he did. He totally and did. And then, okay, so here we go. This is this is a point I've been waiting to get to. He's been stabbed in the shoulder with the neurotoxin. So in order to counteract this, he slits his wrist and then tries to suck out the neurotoxin like a snake bite. I guess maybe he's just crazy at this point. What would be really bad is if he did it and it worked and he lived. That's true. But he does it. It doesn't do anything and he dies. dies. So it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, he's trying to act fast. There's literally nothing he can do. Why not try to give this thing a shot? I thought he was going to chop his arm off. I thought he was going to Yeah, that's what I thought too. That would have been pretty cool if he could get that. But I don't know if he's trying to just get the neurotoxin or whatever out before it gets too far, you know? So he's cutting here. You know, like if there's... I'll give you one for desperation. I mean, if there's a crack in your symbol, you drill a hole through it so the crack stops. 
So he's thinking, let me put a crack in this vein so that it doesn't go any further or whatever. The point is, it wasn't a good idea. It didn't work. <laughs> if it did work, it would have been a really dumb scene. I, but okay, since I'll it didn't, that. I was like, yeah, okay, give it a shot, man, because what do you got to lose? <laughs> well, he knows it's only a matter of time before he just dies because he watched, yeah, the, exactly. he watched so, the video. So take a crack at it, man. I don't yeah. know. Okay. He didn't All do right. any more research you, you, than I've that. I've come around on it. He does have a quick vision quest, though, where he does some some Bible verses. Yeah, real trippy. And they show the puppetry of the Mark 13 is really cool, where the head is moving in really close to him, and his body's, like, way back. It's really, really weird looking, but really cool. The perspective shots. And they show the dream sequence. Mm-hmm. He's reading the Bible, but he has his human hand. Yeah. So he's holing in heaven. He's riding that ultimate trip. No one's going to laugh at this. But at this point, Mo is no Mo. Ah. ah. <laughs> well, sometimes it could be funny in how dumb it is, right? <laughs> I admire your dedication. I admire your stick to That's That's a real craft there. You know? I'm, as, I'm as dedicated as Mo trying to get the trying to cut the toxin out of his veins. There you go. We're in final girl territory now. Well, not quite yet, but we're getting there. Oh, uh, yeah, there's a big scene before that. Jill wakes up in in her downstairs neighbors. She gets a cool headband as way of bandage. She picks up a baseball bat and heads up to her apartment to save Mo. She's swinging that bat willy-nilly. Yeah, so at this point, Shades is trying to stop her, and the only thing that he's doing is holding everybody else up. The entire apartment building is following her, shouting, being blocked by Shades, falling down and tripping balls on the stairwell. Jill gets in the apartment. They try to follow. The robots got control of these big, huge doors, and they slam them on my dude and chomp him real good and blood's everywhere and then they struggle a little bit then the doors open he falls to the ground and they close again and chop his ass in half oh in his dying gasp he accidentally shoots the other guy too doesn't he Mm-hmm. killing that was security a, people yeah and i read that was a budget thing they were going to give that dude a real gnarly death too but they ran out of money. Yeah, so both security guys are dead, and now she's trapped in the apartment. The doors are glitching video game style, open, close, open, close, open, close, and she's inside with the robot. Now, the robot is alive, but it's damaged. It's kind of reconstituting himself, and she gets a chance to head to her main console, and this is where she hacks into the fucking Matrix, baby. Oh, yeah. She's doing some hacking. It's playing back pre-recorded things that other people have said in its presence, so it sings that weird little song. It says a bunch of stuff that uh, Mo had said. And I could have been freaking out, but I'm pretty sure while she's hacking, the robot does a little dance. <laughs> does the robot do a little dance? I, d- right, I, I got to find the timestamp for that. Okay, pull it up. She like hacks into its mainframe chip or whatever. And that's when like the, the circuit boards, you see the little pentagram and all kind of crazy sim- symbols and stuff. The robot is kind of, it's repeating things from Mo. It's repeating things from all of the other people. And somehow Mo's consciousness is in there. I don't know. Repeating back things she needs to hear that he said earlier about the rain and shit like that, which is the robot's weakness is that if it gets wet, it'll just explode. So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that stuff was in her head or if the robot was saying it, but she, she gets the idea to get it in the shower and uh, she lures it in and shades gets a cool hero moment where he finally figures out the timing and jumps through the door he grabs that desert eagle and then fails to shoot the robot well he does eventually but he holds on that shit for a long time 
Stacy Travis, she does some great stunts here. Um, she's whooping this robot's ass. She blasts through this glass. It's really well acted. All I could think about was, oh my God, just thinking about my bare feet on broken glass and stuff. It was very visceral. But she gets the water turned on and finally Shades shoots it in an eyeball. Then she just goes ham on it. And <laughs> I think my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the movie and a great little finisher was she... <laughs> She hits the robo fucking ding dong off with her fucking baseball bat and she castrates some right Is that end. not more imagery for no procreation? Yeah. That ding dong. That bat does some work, by the way, because it like it fucks that robot up, which I mean, my girl's got a mean swing, I guess. I don't know. So they stick around for a minute and have a real like heart to heart moment over the corpse of the robot that keeps coming back to life. I don't know if it was me. I'd probably leave the room, but hey. <laughs> She didn't even get out of the shower. She just sits on its robot body as it's smoking. But then we get a, a final bookend, and we see that same zone tripper head off into the wasteland, looking to stir up more trouble, I guess. That'll just about do it for hardware, so let's pop into the comic convergence. Reach the All right, well, this one is more of a... Uh, Maybe not a convergence, so to speak, but a subversion. So this is basically taken straight from the pages of a pre-existing comic. Um, It was called Shock, and it is a one-off story by Steve McManus and Kevin O'Neill, which uh, first saw print in Judge Dredd Annual 1981. It was later reprinted in 2000 AD, and I believe they, they colorized it a little bit later. So basically, it is the story that we just talked about. A, a spacer comes back to Mega City and buys a bunch of junk, and part of it is an old shock trooper, which his girlfriend says makes great soap dishes. So she's like a repurposing artist, similarly. And then they come home, have a little reunion. He gives her the present. She says, I'll deal with that tomorrow. The guy leaves, and then all the stuff happens. I mean, the robot goes nuts, reconstitutes itself, and tries to kill her. So, yeah, this is a perfect adaptation of that comic. It's almost shot for shot, uh, panel for panel, of the um, robot chasing you know the Jill character in this instance, and it's actually pretty fun. I, I'm a big fan of like the kind of dystopian Judge Dread style stuff, and I think this movie fits right in there. I, I guess I could understand, you know, how he Richard Stanley would think that maybe like this would never come up. I mean, this is way before the internet. Like these things never make a reappearance. It was just a one-off. It's not like it was a beloved series, but the fact that it is such a faithful adaptation really led to his downfall um there's lots of uh, legal troubles and ramifications that happen after that but um you know it, it's it, if you liked hardware then for sure check out this little shock comic it's pretty easy to find you just type in s h o k and hardware and it will certainly come up now as far as the box office was concerned it was de- certainly not a hit. Um, the opening weekend, though, I mean, they made their their budget back at two point three million, and the grand total came out to five point seven. So, okay, probably if not for the copyright issues, they would have made a sequel. There was one in the works based on the Lone Wanderer character or the Zone Tripper, as it were. So I have a great, I have a pretty fun quote here. The reception is not great, either critical or audience. Tomatometer, we got a 50%. Audience score, 52. 
Um, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly at the time said, it's as if someone had remade Alien with a monster played by a rusty erector set. This one is a cult hit, though. I mean, there are there are stands for it. And it's actually been recently be- receiving a lot of attention of people saying like, hey, you know what? Give this one another watch. Especially there is a Blu-ray remaster that uh, improves the visuals. Quite yeah, I did not get that one. There's lots of blinking lights and really harsh colors. I tried. I started watching this and I was a little hungover the other day and I had to stop and then <laughs> I had to wait another day. <laughs> lots of red light. Uh, it, it accomplishes what it it needs to do. I feel like because I I don't think there's anything wrong so much with the cinematography. I think they accomplished exactly what they were looking for and uh, I I think they wanted it to be jarring. I think they uh, that was the intention to make it kind of non-Hollywood, you know, not easy to watch kind of because th- you know this movie is it's gory and it's like aggressive and it's in your face. So that makes sense for me. You know the the direction was fine. The look of the aesthetics of this like I said are are off. For 1.5 million they did a bang up job. I don't know if a lot of these guys just have like cosplay shit lying around but this movie looks cool now let's get into some things that we liked and maybe some things that we disliked in who's your hero who's your villain let's start off with heroes this time my hero is uh mark 13 Mm -hmm. uh it's just he's he's very dutiful he knows what his job is and all he cares about is getting his job done and i can respect that i'm a guy who wakes up in the morning i you know I, i go to work i do my job i don't expect to be persecuted for that I don't expect to be attacked for it. He just does what's expected of him and no- nothing more, nothing less. And like I said before, if his if his job is to uh, cut the population, that population is extra gross where he is. I like to find the good in everyone, you know? I, it was a real toss up for me because I really wanted to say Jill because she's she's great in this. I mean, the fact that she did her own stunts. I mean, she holds her own pretty well against the robot. So I don't really have too much to complain that way. But I think, ah, gosh, the chief, the chief of security, man. Ah, he's just great. He's got the great quotes. He knows how to play chess. Uh, He's got certainly the best death in the movie. And he had a great vibe and a big gun. Unfortunately, you know, he killed that guy. But, you know, that's okay. Mistakes happen. I think I'm going to sneak ahead here and say, though, that my villain is certainly Link. God, that that was mine. Come on, man. He's so gross. That creepy boy from next door. Oh. He, uh, ugh. And it's one of those performances, and it's a great, it's a great bad guy performance. It's like uh, Queen Phoenix in a, a Gladiator, like Prince Joffrey. Like, oh my god, that's this performance through and through. He sucks. It's gross. My villain has to be the Wastelands government. <laughs> I don't blame Mark Thirteen for doing all his kills. I blame the government or whoever told well, him that hey, that's what he had to do. I mean, do. They, they're on your side, though. They love them. They approve them. Th- those things are going live to market. Yeah, they're, they're going live. Think about all the positive things that Mark 13 could be doing with all that he can do. He could be a butcher. He could slice the hell out of some meat. Guaranteed. He could... You know who needs a candlestick maker? Shades needs a candlestick maker because all his candles melted by the time he was done tripping. I thought it was, uh, it was original in a lot of its endeavors no story is original if we want to get completely technical but the cinematography the the direction they went with like the Mm -hmm. kills and stuff the puppetry i mean it was i thought it was really well executed for one and a half million (laughs) dollars he was making a punk rock terminator and i think that's what it is you say it's i mean i mean if you don't think that's what he's doing why would he enlist iggy pop let me kill mister well you know these are all people that are like grungy dudes it does what it sets out to do. This the story isn't what I said before. I know it's contradictory. It's not the most original story ever. 
the imagery that they use, the Nazi, the biblical, the whatever. It's not the most original imagery, but it's it gave gave me a movie that was it was unique in its execution. I would say there besides the few parts where it like really grossed me out, like the you know Porkins whenever he gets on his 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 saddle of of nastiness talking about popcorn on a string and stuff that was extra gross. But all done all, all done in service of what we said before, making him so hateable that you could kill him in the most gross mm-hmm. way. And it would be like, okay, that was good. <laughs> the only way they can make you think that that was a good thing is he has to be so gross that it's like it's okay that you don't mind watching him suffer, which is kind of a sick thing to say. But it's not as good as anything else we've seen. But I enjoyed it for what it was. If this is an independent early 90s horror movie, this isn't any weirder than anything else in, in that genre, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly not commercial. It earns its cult status. Yeah, I can see how absolutely. a sub substrata of movie fans would really enjoy. I this. think if I saw this movie at somebody's house, like on an old VHS on the right, like on a night, I would be like, "Yo, this this is Buck Wild." And that's sort of the feeling I got because it had that like gritty grindhouse Taped feeling off to of it. Where tape where off like, of oh, a tape. This is, right. This is ex- exploitation. It's not like cinema. Mm-hmm. It's an exploitation of cinema i can get that and i and i appreciate that and if that's something you're into like it's great as a comic movie for me this one knocks it out of the park i mean it's an illegal representation but it is a perfect representation of the source material this is like a one-to-one i mean he did a great job adapting this all if he would just could have just like put a story by or based on he would have kind of got himself out of a lot of hot water well you have the blu-ray version i would bet that it does have that on your version probably does say story by those guys who they couldn't even release the dvd yeah you probably don't until i mean like rich oh rich ain't getting any money off of that that blu-ray thing. no uh but for me this one i don't know i'm going with my gut reaction that i had at the time the effects are amazing 1.5 million budget it's it's just so close like it just doesn't hit me right if you like old like indie kind of horror movies you should absolutely check this one out there, there's lots to love here i got up from this movie and I said that fucking sucked but that's not to say that I didn't have a good time I had a very good time watching it and I'm looking forward to watching The Rocketeer a huge favorite of mine and we'll get into that on the next one so be sure to check out the next mini episode we'll have some trailers and a little bit of talk about that next app well thank you so much for sticking around please remember to rate review and subscribe it helps us out immensely Uh, i would also like to issue a very special thanks to the cast and crew of hardware this was a ton of fun and we hope you had some fun listening to us talk about it also like to issue a very special thanks to our social media manager dave you can check him at the face of dave on twitter Uh, he's got some great stuff going on there you can reach out and tell us what you thought about uh hardware um you can email us at uh, nerdaplexy at gmail.com or tweet at us at nerdaplexypod on Twitter. All right. Well, we hope to see you next time. But until then, I'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. If you're going to go to all the trouble of making a self-aware killing machine, why don't you just make it waterproof? <laughs>